0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Interesting is that researchers have found that the month of January, by most people's account, is the most depressing month of the year. They also kind of did some additional studies on that, and they found that the most depressing day in the month of January is January 24th. And interestingly, they said if that day, the January 24th, falls on a Monday, that it doubles the rate of depression. I found that kind of interesting. As a matter of fact, they even have a term for this. Uh, They call it Blue Monday. And they say that the, by the third Monday of January, most people are tired of the snow. Most of us are tired of it right after Christmas, right? They tell you, yeah, they talk about that people, um, you know, tend to kind of have depression just because the days of winter are, are a lot shorter and add to that that most people have broken most, if not all of their New Year's resolutions by then. And that by now, most of the credit card bills have started rolling in, reminding us of how much we spent over Christmas, right? Now, guess what uh, the most, uh, the most, the happiest day of the year is? January 8th, or June 18th is the happiest day of the year. And of course, that's logical because that's usually one of the longer uh, days. and uh, it's, uh, We usually have more light. Uh, it's We're getting more into uh, warmer weather, uh, summer. So again, they came up with this term, Blue Monday. Now, the man that coined this term, here's what he said. He said, it was never ever his intention to make the day sound negative, But rather to inspire people to take action and to make bold life decisions. And the same is true, I think, when it comes to talking about fear. We never want to talk about the subject of fear in order to sound negative. We want to talk about fear in a way that hopefully gets people to kind of respond in a way or to inspire them to take action and and to make bold declarations when it comes to the way that fear can can manifest and uh, just take over our lives. At the beginning of this year, we started kind of talking about great ways to start off the new year. And the first way we talked about that was reading the Bible every day throughout the year. And we, again, have some Bible reading plans out there on the uh, visitor's table, just right outside the sanctuary area here uh, that will get you through the New Testament in a year if you're more aggressive and want to take a bigger challenge. There's a Bible reading plan that'll get you through the entire uh, Bible in a year. And again, the goal is there is that we just want to get people into the Word of God on a daily basis. Uh, You can also go online if you're looking for something a little bit different, you can go online. There's just a lot of different Bible reading plans that you will find uh, in there, and one that will obviously satisfy your need and your goals. Now last week we kind of started talking about how do we free ourselves from fear? because it just seems like everywhere you look in today's culture there's just something that has the potential to elicit fear in all of us now again fear at its root is a spiritual issue okay second timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So it's a spiritual issue at its root. So God has not given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And again, fear is a spiritual issue because the enemy uses fear as a way of getting us to be afraid, to be scared, to be worried, to be anxious, uh, and concerned that a bad thing is about to happen and that God will not be there, that God has abandoned us. And as I said last week, fear is not from God, rather it is contrary to God and it is opposed to the things of God. And the reason the spirit of fear is contrary to God is because fear is essentially a lack of faith and trust in God, in who he is, in his nature and his character and in his attributes. Fear, in many ways, it is a lack of faith, and because of this, sin is also, a fear is also a sin. Romans 14, 23 says, for whatever is not of faith is sin. So fear is the opposite of faith, so fear is a sin. And when the spirit of fear is operating in our lives, we're no longer walking in faith to some level. Now, while fear and faith are opposites in many ways, they do share at least two common traits. Okay? The first is fear and faith both project into the future. It's one thing that fear and faith share is they both project into the future. The issues of fear and faith are always based on what is to come in the future. Fear is never about the past, it is always looking to what could happen, the potential of what could happen in the future, so it projects itself into the future. Now we see this uh, kind of play out in a lot of ways in our society today. Take, for example, climate change. Now again, just put the politics of that aside for a moment. And my point here isn't whether you agree or disagree that the climate is changing or what causes that and whether we can fix it because there are both crowds of people on on both extremes of that and a lot of us kind of just fall somewhere in the middle. But I think we can all agree on is the one main ingredient that keeps the issue of climate change on a front burner is the issue of fear, right? That's the thing that keeps it in the headlines is that this whole thing kind of depends upon a certain level of fear in order to keep it from falling from the headlines of the news and the minds of people. As a matter of fact, clear back in January of 2006, Al Gore predicted that we only had 10 years left to save the planet from being completely scorched. Now, what are statements like that intended to do? And again, put the politics aside. Um, we've got people on both sides that, that make these extreme statements. But what are statements like that intended to produce? To produce fear. And they want to do that so that they can bring about a desired change. And again, don't miss my point here. Climate change is a fear that is always projected into the future of what could happen if we don't do X, Y, and Z. And we see the same thing happen on the war uh, upon terror, nuclear weapons, COVID, the economy, immigration, healthcare, social security, all of these things as well as many other issues all rely on and need a certain level of fear to get people's attention and those fears are always based on what may happen in the future. Now when I was growing up in the 70s, we weren't worried about the earth being scorched, we were worried about the earth kind of, we were gonna freeze to death. We we were told there was an ice age coming. I also remember the commercial featuring the Native American, Iron Eyes Cody. I'll never forget this. As a kid, just watching this man sitting on his horse on television. And then there would just be this tear that would come down his eye. And all of it was talking about uh, pollution in America. And that if we did not stop polluting America, I mean, it it was over. I mean, there was just not going to be an earth left, you know. I just remember the fear that, that came on me thinking about, you know, the gum wrappers I threw on the ground. And, you know, everything that I had done to participate in the destruction um, of the earth. Because again, fear always projects itself into the future. What is going to happen if we don't stop polluting um, the earth? Now, now see, fear uh, and, and faith, they operate in the same way. Faith also projects itself into the future. It's always about something uh, that is uh, um, going to come in time. A great example of this is Genesis chapter 12. If you've been doing your daily Bible reading, you would have come across this uh, not too long ago. It's recalling the uh, call of Abram who went on to become Abraham in Genesis 12:2 God says to Abraham I will cause you to become the father of a great nation I will bless you and make you famous and I will make you a blessing to others and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you Now those words that God spoke that promise that God gives there to Abram were regarding things to come in the future And Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it records Abram's response to the promises of God. And there it says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Now it took many, many years for that promise God made to Abram to come to pass. But scripture tells us that through faith, Abram believed that what God said he would do, God would do. And that, again, was regarding something that was to come in the future. God would bring to pass exactly what he said. So again, faith like fear, it's always about what is to come. It always projects itself into the future. Hebrews 11:1 says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." Now, the substance of things hoped for is about the future. Okay? Fear is the substance of things not hoped for. It is the substance of things not wanted. So again, there's there's a big difference between faith and fear. The second common trait regarding fear and faith is that they both project into the future and they both demand to be fulfilled, okay? So fear and faith both project into the future and they both demand to be fulfilled. And we see an example of this fear being fulfilled in the life of Job, right? Oh, what had popped off here. My microphone cover. In Job 20 and Job chapter 3, verse 25, it says, For the thing I greatly feared, he says, has come upon me. And what I dreaded, has happened to me. Now, you remember the story of Job. He lost his home. He lost his livestock, his wealth, his family. Later on, Job loses his health and and the the hedge of God's protection. And in Job chapter three, verse 25, Job admits, he recognizes, that he was living in fear of these things happening, and he confirms it um, here that his worst fears had come to pass. Fear will always project itself into the future and it will always demand to be fulfilled. The things we fear will always seek to be fulfilled in our lives. And many times these fears are fulfilled through the words we speak. That's why Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. There is incredible power in the words we speak when we continually give voice to our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our stresses, okay? They have a way of fulfilling themselves. They have a way of coming to pass. When our attitudes and our actions are formed through our fears, our lives have a way of going in that direction. Luke chapter 21, verse 26 powerfully asserts this. It says, Men's hearts failing them from fear. And the expectation of those things which are coming, again, that's uh, yet to happen, it's it's coming, it's projecting itself into the future, are are, uh, coming on the earth. Fear is projecting into the future. The expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, again, it refers to the future. And the fulfillment of that fear is that men's hearts will fail them. Now, Barnes' commentary says of this phrase, men's hearts failing them, is an expression denoting um, the highest terror. The word rendered failing commonly denotes to dying, and here it literally means... That the fear that will befall mankind is so great that their hearts will literally die. They'll, they'll give out. We, we call that a heart attack. That people are going to experience fear in such a way that it will cause them to have heart attacks. That's why fear is so destructive and faith is so blessed. We see Abram's faith was fulfilled throughout the Old and New Testament, resulting in his being blessed, and also generations and nations uh, that were blessed and came forth from him. So last week, we kind of started talking about three steps we can take in order to get free from fear. The first step we talked about at length, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that, and that is, again, that God's perfect love drives out all fear. 1 John 4, 18 says, where God's love is, there is no fear. Fear cannot exist, coexist in God's perfect love. One will give way to the other. And he says, there is no fear because God's perfect love drives out fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And I said last week, and I'll say it again the only effective antidote to fear is God's perfect love. One of the things you have to understand about fear is you cannot argue or reason someone out of their fears. Ever tried to do that? Somebody's, you know, gripped with, with terror and fear about something, and you try to give them like logical arguments, you try to give them persuasive, you know, um, conversation, and you're, you're trying to work them, you're trying to talk them out of that fear, it's just not possible. Logical arguments are ineffective because that spirit of fear many times is very, very deep, and it is very strong. The only way we can break the strongholds of fear in a person's life is by helping them to receive, to accept, and just to walk in the perfect love of God. And when you see how God perfectly already loves you completely, fully, constantly, again, not because of what you have or haven't done, not for what you have to offer God, but just because of who you are someone created in the image and the likeness of God, then fear will just seem to just kind of melt away. It'll just kind of drop off of you. The more you walk in God's perfect love, the more those fears will just uh, will, will flee. Knowing, receiving, and walking in God's perfect love for you again, it is the only antidote to fear. So have we got our, our podcast up yet? This week. So we'll we'll try to get last week's message on um, so that if you didn't get to hear that, you can go back and listen to that. Second step we need to take uh, to overcome the barrier of fear in our lives is we just need to believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do you remember what the first words the angels said after Jesus rose from the dead to the disciples? Fear not. What were the first words Jesus said after he rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples? Fear not. What were the first words that the uh, angel said to Mary when, when he appeared to her? Fear not. And again, it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that can conquer the fear you and I have about death. I love what Hebrews chapter two, verses 14 through 15 says. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood. That's what we call the incarnation. It's what we celebrate at Christmas by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now, the writer of Hebrews is saying there are people who are enslaved to the fear of dying. Now, to be honest, there is a certain part of death that I think we all fear, and that is the fear of the unknown, right? The reality is that you only get to experience death one time, and you don't know what it's going to be like until you go through it. Now, some people have had near-death experiences, so they they may get close to death, but will never fully experience it or know what it really is all about until we do. Now, I don't know uh, any of you, but I I had one of those near-death experiences that just literally changed uh, me forever, and I'll never be the same. And it happened one time when I was horseback riding, And everything was going along great until the horse started bouncing out of control. And I did everything that I could to hold on, but eventually I'd gotten thrown off the horse. And just when things couldn't possibly get any worse, my foot got stuck in the stirrup. And when that happened, I fell head first to the ground and my head is bouncing harder and harder and harder the faster the uh, horse kept going. So as my head's just kind of bouncing there um, on the ground, I was about ready to lose total consciousness when, thank God, the manager of Walmart came over and unplugged it. (laughs) I had you, didn't I? I had you. (laughs) Seriously, most people, we, we don't like to really talk or to think about death. And yet it's something every one of us will face at some point in our lives should Jesus tarry. And the reason we shy away from the topic of death is because it's really very foreign to the way God designed us as people. Genesis 2.7 says, and the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground, and he breathed, he blew his breath of life into man, and we became a living person. And that living person God created and blew his very life into, we were never ever meant, we were never designed, we were never created to experience death. And Ecclesiastes 3:11 firms that by saying that God has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. God has placed this sense of eternity that we were meant to live forever, God has placed that within our hearts. That's why we can be 90 years old and still kind of feel like in our heads we're 20. It's just that sense of eternity that's within us. And every one of us knows in our hearts, our innermost being, that we were created and we were designed by God to live forever. And that's the one thing that sets us apart from animals. Animals don't think about eternity, whereas human beings do, because God has placed that within our innermost being. So not only did we have that evidence that we were to live forever in the body God created, it's also reinforced in our hearts. It was only when Adam and Eve sinned that death became a part of the human experience. Our bodies will die one day, but that doesn't change the reality that our hearts know that we were created and designed by God to live forever. That's why death is an affront to the human race. It was never meant to be. And it's one of the reasons we fear death. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And death is an enemy, because it seeks to instill fear into us, whereas God wants to drive that fear of death from us through his perfect love. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead has the power to deliver us from the fear, the power, and the penalty of death. Jesus said in John 14, 19, because I live, you will live also. Where, when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Now see, if Jesus had just died and stayed dead, he wouldn't be different from any other person who died. But what makes Jesus unique and amazing and sets him apart from any other person is not only did he die, but he was raised to eternal life three days later to never ever experience death again. And that's what Easter is all about. And because he is alive forevermore, we also have the same assurance, that promise and guarantee that when we die, we will also be raised to eternal life through the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that's why the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead can and will deliver us from the power of the fear that death has over us. Because Jesus lives, we have the assurance and guarantee that one day, though we die, yet shall we live because he has the keys and he has eternal life. The third and final step we need to take in overcoming the barrier of fear in our lives is just commit your fear and life to Christ. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 15 says, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. There are a lot of very successful people in the world today who outwardly appear to be doing very, very well. But if you spend any time talking to them, you'll kind of discover that inwardly there is this gnawing insecurity that is eating them up. Outwardly, they look like they've got it all together, but inwardly, they're thinking, can I actually pull another day off or will I fall flat on my face? How much longer can I really sustain this? Outwardly, they're saying to the world, I've made it, I've got life by the tail, but inwardly, they're really thinking, I have never felt so lost and so alone or confused In my life. Outwardly, they may have their, you know, BMA, their MBA, their IRA, but inwardly, their SAD. Jesus put it this way to the religious leaders of his day in Matthew 23, verse 27. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful. You look great. You're well put together on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You try to look like upright people outwardly, but inside your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Anyone here remember the first commandment of the Ten Commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls it idolatry. And idolatry is any time you put anything, any person, any career, any job, any decision, anything first place in your life instead of God, that is called idolatry. It may be a good thing, maybe a noble thing, but if it's in first place in your life where God should be, you've made it God. Now again, for some people, their house is their God, or their career is their God, or their God is their God, or their, or their car is their God, or their bank account is their God, or their spouse or their children are their God. Again, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever takes first place in your life other than God, that is called idolatry. And here's why I mention this. Every time you do that, Anytime you let something take the first place of God in your life, you are setting yourself up for fear because you weren't designed to live that way. Anytime anything else besides God becomes more important in your life, it can be taken away from you, so you're naturally going to develop fears in that area. For example, if getting people's approval, if you're a people pleaser, is the most important thing in your life, then you'll develop a fear of losing the approval of other people. If making money is the number one goal in your life, then you will begin to develop fears around losing your money. If getting married is the most important pursuit in your life, then you'll develop a fear of never finding the right person. If your spouse is the most important person in your life, then you will develop a fear of losing them through death or divorce. If success is the most important thing in your life, then you will develop fears around this whole topic of failure. Idolatry Equals fear. Idolatry will ultimately lead you into the place of fear in those places uh, that you have allowed to become more important in your life than God. So think about what is it that makes you fearful and then ask yourself, is there any chance that issue could be competing with God for first place, top place in my life? And that may be why you're fearful. It may be where those fears are coming from. Again, First Peter 3, 14 through 15 says, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. That word Lord, it's, it's not a word that we think about or maybe talk about. Often enough, and here in America, we don't really have lords and counts and, you know, courts and kings. We operate more on a democracy. So sometimes that whole concept of setting Christ apart as Lord um, can, can be a little confusing. And really what that means is it means letting Christ be the manager of your life. It's, it's giving him complete control over everything in your life. It's kind of making him the CEO of the company of your life. It means allowing him to kind of call the shots. It means that Christ doesn't want to be resident in your life. He wants to be president of your life. God wants to be your number one always. That's what it means to be Lord. That's what it means to allow God to be Lord over your life and your heart. To set Christ apart as Lord means that we need to put him in the place in our lives that he deserves and desires to be. Number one, to set Christ apart as Lord means he is the only person you ultimately have to please. Think about that. If you could ever get to a place in life where he is the only one you're living for, he is the only one that you have to please, begin to think about how much stress, anxiety, worry, tension that could take off of your life if he's the only one you really have to please. That might kind of simplify life for a lot of us. Verse Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The Bible talks about two different kinds of casting. We're kind of familiar with the first one. That's where you kind of take a fishing pole and you cast the fishing pole and the line and the lure goes out into the water and you kind of reel it back in. That's one type of casting. There's a second type of casting where you take it, you cast the line and you cut it. There's no more bringing that back in. And that's what he's talking about here when he talks about casting your cares upon him is that you take those cares, those concerns, those anxieties, those worries, those fears, and you just cast them upon the Lord and cut the line. There's no bringing those back. They're his. Let God be God. And as long as we try to be in charge of it all, As long as we're trying to control it, there's always going to be certain levels of fear. Whatever you're trying to control, whoever you're trying to control in your life, you're going to be filled with worry because there's always this nagging thought in the back of your mind that's always telling you, you can't do this all by yourself. You can't continue to do this alone. I've gotten it this far, but there comes a point where you think, I just don't think I can, I can do this any longer. See, worry, fear, anxiety, it's a warning light that says two things. One, it says something has become more important in your life than it should be. It, it's taking first place in your life. Secondly, it means I'm trying to solve it. I'm, I'm trying to play God. God. I'm trying to control the uncontrollable. And none of that ever works. And this is why it's important for us to commit our fears and our life to Christ. What kind of life can we have listen to the kind of life god wants you to have from romans 8:15 and this comes from the message version it says this resurrection life you receive from god is not a timid grave tending life instead it is adventurously expectant greeting god with a childlike what's next papa the christian life the god life that god intended designed and created every one of us in this room for is a life of adventure. And Jesus affirmed this in John 10, 10, when he said, my purpose is to give you life and life in all of its fullness, life in all of its abundance. There is no one, there is nothing in life other than Jesus Christ that can bring us that. Jesus came to give each one of us life in all of its fullness, not death, not the fear of death, not worry, not idolatry, not fear. So as I close this morning, let me just end by asking you, what fear or fears is keeping you from fully and abundantly living? And are you ready this morning? regardless of what that fear or fears are, are you ready this morning to just take all of that and just cast it upon the Lord and cut the line? Let's stand together this morning. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that again, we have the invitation to just cast every anxiety, every fear, every worry, every doubt, every anxiety on you because you care for us. You love us with a love, God, we can't even begin to understand. It is so great, it is so deep, it is so awesome. And yet, God, you you want to lavish that love upon us this morning because your word tells us it's that perfect love and only that perfect love that can drive out and deliver us from every fear, every worry, every anxiety, every care that's pressing upon us today. It's you and you alone. So God, this morning, we just cast it upon you and we ask that you would just cut the line. There's no taking this back. There's no reeling this back in. That once it's gone, it's gone. And so, Father, we just thank you for your power, your presence here this morning. We thank you for Jesus' victory over the grave. Because that victory has the power to deliver us from the greatest fear All of us will ever face, and that is the fear of death. And if you have uh, delivered us from the fear of death, Father, we know you can deliver us from every fear in this life. So, Father, we just look to you. We trust you. And we acknowledge that you and you alone are our Lord. And so this morning, Father, just help us once again to just in our hearts set you apart as Lord. So Father, we just again thank you for your power, your presence here this morning. We love you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his victory over death and over the grave. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. And we celebrate that this morning, Father. And help us to walk out of this place and just to begin to live life in its fullness. That where there have been places of fear, Father God, this morning that we would just begin to walk in the perfect love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts through Jesus Christ. We just thank you for the power. We thank you for the invitation and the ability to be able to walk fully and freely and all that you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.